0: Hello and welcome to this week's game preview episode of On Texas Football. My name is Tommy Yarsh and joining me as always is Inside Texas writer and overall football expert, Ian Boyd. Ian, how's it going, man? Going well. Awesome, great to have you here with us and good to see you win a couple last night against Gonzaga. I know we were talking about that a little bit in the pre-show. Wishing that we could use our prize picks picks, uh, over for that game earlier this week as the Longhorns just... Blew the bulldogs out of the water, but unfortunately, uh, we couldn't have made any money on that.
1: Yeah. were you able to stay up and watch it? You I know, was young college guy in your Central Time zone. <laughs> I fell asleep on my couch, um, but when I fell asleep, the Texas had like a twenty point lead, and uh, it appears that they maintained it. But I, I think I missed I missed that um, clip that's going around now, where uh, Dylan Mitchell dunks Dylan a Mitchell
0: and, sequence here. Uh, yeah.
1: They, um, inter- they break up a pass and then another lob all in the span of like I mean, like 32 seconds or something. So I had, yeah. to, I had to watch that on the highlights like a jump this morning.
0: Yeah, Dylan, Dylan Mitchell is a special kid, and he, uh, he won't be here long. So enjoy him while you've got him, Longhorn fans. Uh, like I said, Ian, good to have you with me. Uh, let's start with last week's results for Texas football against TCU. I think a lot of folks, myself included, did not see the game playing out as a defensive showcase, but that's exactly what it was. Longhorns were only able to put three points up on the offensive side of the ball, but conversely, they played pretty well on defense. Are you surprised with how this game turned out?
1: Really only half of it. Um, I may recall that I was pretty optimistic that Gary Patterson was going to have them very prepared for TCU's offense, Um seemed like the frogs were a little spooked too. There's a lot of things that they normally run that they didn't even try on Texas. Um, Some of their early screens and sweeps that they tried to mix in. Texas was all over them. seemed like they may have had some blitzes called where it's like, hey, if you see them do this, blitz. Because we know exactly what they're going to do and we're going to blow it up. Texas gave them all kinds of fits. But uh, that was not really surprising to me. I, you know couple big play misses one involving a freshman corner, uh, one good Kendra Miller run all, all pretty predictable. You know, they, they were well-prepared TCU's explosiveness got them a couple of touchdowns. Uh, the other side, I was obviously did not anticipate whatsoever. You know, I think I, I think my score prediction had Texas scoring in the forties. Right. And, uh, they, I mean, they barely scored, you know, they didn't even score four points on offense. (laughs) Didn't anticipate that. Um, Didn't anticipate some adjustments that TCU made. Didn't anticipate Texas being so incapable in the passing game again. um, I I didn't think it would come to that. I thought they'd be able to run the ball really well. And, uh, yeah, just a big miss by myself, obviously, and more importantly by Texas and their offensive staff and their players.
0: Yeah, Bijan Robinson held to only I think 29 yards is his lowest of the season has to be by far uh, and it breaks a seven game 100 plus yard rushing streak so not what you want to see there from your best player. Uh, looking ahead to Saturday against Kansas now The Jayhawks have a little bit of a question mark at the quarterback position, which has been the case for a lot of Texas's opponents this year. So nothing that Steve Sarkeesian and his staff haven't dealt with. Uh, But back to the situation, Jason Bean is the guy who's been taking the reins for Kansas in Jalen Daniels' absence. But it sounds as the week is kind of going on that Lance Leipold is more optimistic about his former starting quarterback making a return. Remember, he went out in the TCU game due to injury, and he was leading the Jayhawks on their undefeated run. Uh, If you're the Texas defense, who would you prefer to see starting for Kansas on Saturday afternoon?
1: I would rather see Jason Bean, no question. I don't know exactly how healthy Jalen Daniels is. If he plays, I don't know how limited he would be. But um, I know that Texas – sorry, Kansas has lost four of their last five games since Jalen Daniels went out. And Jason Bean is probably a little bit better of a runner than Jalen Daniels, or at least he's quicker. That hasn't been Texas's problem this season. I mean, they, they shut down Max Duggan. They've, they've had some issues with guys who can scramble and throw that they have been, you know, really getting better at as the season goes on. They don't have a problem with quarterback run game, which is a big part of their Kansas offense. They always contain it really well at their ends, and they force teams to just run it inside. And then you have to run inside on, you know, this revolving door of future NFL defensive tackles and Jalen Ford. So um the much bigger concern is definitely the more capable passer, which is Jalen Daniels. And, you know he's the guy that uh, got in, into the season late in the year last year is when he took over for them. Um, and uh, I think Texas was his maybe his first start and his second appearance of the year, something like that, and you know we all remember how that went. So I don't I don't think they want to, I don't want, I don't think they ever want to see that guy again if, if it could be helped.
0: yeah, sadly, don't don't want to remember on that if you're a Texas fan. I don't want to remember it either. Uh, aside from that, there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite team than by playing daily fantasy sports with our friends over at Picks. Prize Pix is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports and just pits you against the numbers. Whether you're a fantasy sports, nut or a casual fan looking for some excitement to add to the games prize picks is the perfect game for you it's the best way to have action in the games in states like alabama florida texas kentucky georgia and over 70 percent of the united states and canada excluding ontario you simply select two to five players and predict if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection you can win 10 times your money on any entry this week we'll be taking dylan gabriel with less than 250 and a half passing yards and Max Duggan with more than 255 and a half passing yards. Download the Prize Picks app or visit PrizePicks.com and sign up using the code Longhorns for to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. So if you deposit $100, price Picks gives you $100. If you deposit 50, Price Picks gives you 50. So on and so forth. Don't forget that the Prize Picks app or prizepicks.com and the code LONGHORNS to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your team to the next level this season. Hopefully we get our bet to land this time, as it's been a rocky road for for Ian and I the past past couple of weeks. But nonetheless, we're still confident. Uh, Sticking with the offense, Ian, for Kansas, Devin Neal is a guy who's been really impressive through the last two weeks. A combined 414 yards on the ground for him. He ran for over 200 in his last outing. The Longhorns have done well against the run throughout the season and they face some pretty talented running backs, guys like Jameer Gibbs, Deuce Fawn. Is there something that stands out about that stands out to you about Devin Neal from some of the other running backs that Texas has seen? And if so, what's different about his style of play?
1: He's probably um, most similar to the guy they just played, Kendra Miller. He's got he's a little stouter I, think, I, I see him listed at 5'11", 214 pounds. Um those fluctuate every year on those rosters so but uh, he, he's a he's pretty compactly built he's a little thicker than some of the, like Deuce Vaughn I noted as explosive as he was if you catch him he's only like 170 pounds so he's not as hard to get down if you can get a hold of him uh Devin Neal's a little more has more power a little more of a cut and go run through the wash kind of guy so uh that, I'd say that makes him a little more dangerous to Texas since what their scheme tends to encourage guys to try to run through the wash and run through arm tackles and linebackers. And Neil's a little better suited to that than uh, Vaughn or, uh, you know, these other running backs who tend to get in the big 12 that are maybe a little smaller and faster. Um, I don't think Texas is afraid of Devin Neal or terrified, but he is, he is a legitimate talent unlike we've seen at Kansas in a lot of past years when they were terrible. And uh, he's kind of the engine of their offense. So he'll be – he's kind of the, the guy to look out for.
0: And there's some others to look out for on the receiving side of the ball. It's really spread out a lot. There's five different receivers with more than three touchdown receptions. So Lance Leipold has a lot to work with. What name would you say is the biggest threat to this Texas secondary and needs to be held back on Saturday?
1: You know, I would say the tight ends. Um, the tight ends have eight combined receiving touchdowns. Um, they have this guy. They have Mason Fairchild as their big main tight end, but they play with two tight ends a lot. The second guy is this guy that's only six feet tall, named um, Jared Casey. Uh, Texas fans may or may not remember him. He's say walk-on. That uh, got his first heavy action last year against drum roll Texas. And he caught the winning he caught the winning score on the was it a two-point conversion or
0: two point conversion, yeah.
1: That that's him. That's him. Uh, pretty solid block blocker, very sure handed. He's kind of like a moving fullback because he's only six feet tall, but he's like two hundred and fifty pounds. Um, they throw to both their tight ends a lot. They have a lot of uh, play action RPO kind of stuff where they'll slip them out to throw them the ball and uh, bootleg stuff that Jalen Daniels in particular is really good at because he's really good at throwing on the run. That's what beat them last year. That's really kind of the, maybe the most dangerous part of their offense is when they can get in the red zone and throw to the tight ends on a uh, play action. And uh, it's a lot for the linebackers to worry about. That'd be, that'd be my main concern. I think their uh, receivers are all kind of, solid and get the job done on play action, but a team that can play man coverage like Texas shouldn't really, uh, it's not that big of a concern.
0: No doubt. And then uh, flip it over to the Texas offense. Now this is a game where they should have, they should put up a lot of points in, but then again, we said that last week considering Texas def or the Kansas defense, excuse me, ranks towards the bottom of the pile amongst FBS teams that being said, like I mentioned, they're coming off one of, if not their worst showing on offense all season. Where do they find success to move the ball down the field and put points on the scoreboard
1: this week? Kind of the million-dollar question. Um, I, I expect that Kansas will steal what TCU did to the extent they can because they run a pretty different defense. But just the main principle of um, – We're going to play uptight. We're going to load the box. We're going to make you prove you can throw it over our heads to Xavier Worthy. I think TCU, somebody, whoever it was on Inside Texas, I can't remember the member's name, but if they want to gloat on me, feel free to do so. Somebody asked me, you know, Kansas State loaded the box a little more in the second half, stopped the run game, and someone was like, well, what happens when TCU does that in the first half? And I was like, well, they're not going to. Because for one, that's a pretty risky strategy and you can get down big. Um, teams usually only do that when they, when they have to, and they're already way behind Texas. That's when they load the box. It's when they need to get the ball back. And if they do, uh, Texas will probably just be more aggressive and burn them over the top. So you kind of almost hope TCU does load the box from the beginning of the game. Well, they did load the box, and Texas did not burn them at all. Um, and so now, like, if you're Kansas – Obviously, you're just going to make Texas prove that they can beat that strategy against you. Like they may have a plan B, but your starting point has to be like, "Hey, this quarterback queen Ewers seems rattled. Um, we got him on the road. I don't know what the weather in Lawrence will be, but I bet it's not going to be that nice. And uh, let's, you know, if we can make them play left-handed and load the box and shut down Bijan, let's try it and see what happens. Um, Texas." Solved for that a little bit against TCU at the end of the game by just kind of spreading them out and throwing it in the flats to Jordan Whittington on RPO screens and things like that. They, should, they probably need to be prepared to turn to that page of the playbook a lot faster this week if they come out there and they're having problems early again where they just cannot find worthy down the field uh, to save their lives
0: And speaking of finding worthy downfield, I want to touch on Quinn Ewers here. A lot of people have blamed Texas's offensive struggles in weeks past on Ewers. He's he's struggled, no doubt about it. Really, and all season long, especially when it comes to finding the deep ball, he's struggled especially. Steve Sarkeesian really wants that deep ball. He's made it very clear, even at the start of the season, that that's what they're looking for. That's his style of offense. When you look at the tape on Quinn Ewers, what is it that seems to be throwing him off or why is it that he is struggling so much? Is it just the fact that he's a true freshman who hasn't had a lot of meaningful snaps just yet, or is it something schematically?
1: Yeah, well, I think that kind of feeds into the part of the problem, which is that uh, I don't think he's processing defenses super well yet. I don't think he knows the Texas offense super well yet. Uh, that was a big problem in fall camp. As people will recall, there's, even uh, starting to look like Hudson Card was actually going to end up being the starting quarterback over Quinn Ewers, really for that reason, that he was, his timing was better, um, he knew the offense better, so on and so forth. And uh, that's really played out. The more we've seen of Ewers, the more we've seen that his command of the offense isn't really there. And that will hurt you with, um, you know, you drop back and you're ready to throw and then all of a sudden things look a little different than you thought they would and maybe your timing is off. Um, maybe the, the route, maybe the muscle memory isn't there on the routes that you're throwing them where you expect to. Um, I, I tend to think that knowing where the ball needs to go is the number one thing for a quarterback before his actual mechanics. If you know where the ball needs to get to, then you you can just kind of train your body to figure out how to get it there. Um, and I don't think Ewers always knows firmly where to go with it, especially if his first read is taken away. Or, it's, or the angle is not what he expected or what have you. But um, then beyond that, there are mechanical issues. Uh, Quinn yours has never had terrific footwork, in part because he doesn't need it. He's one of the best just pure arm throwers I've ever seen in a game of football. Um, and that's gotten him into a little bit of trouble, I think, where uh, he's, he's, he's felt rushed his mechanics have been so bad that it, it finally gets to the point where it impairs his ability to throw a, an accurate or timely ball on some of these throws. Now Quinn Ewers, I, I mean, he made a couple throws against TCU. It was a terrible game by Ewers, but he still made one or two throws that were like, wow, You don't see a lot of guys that can make that throw. But the consistency is just not there at all. Um, I don't think he's comfortable. I don't think he has a rhythm. I think he's feeling pressure and rattled. I, just guessing that he's feeling that way, just watching the way he plays. He does not look like he's got a firm command of what's going on around him. And uh, I don't know. Either they need to to try things that he's a little more comfortable with if they exist, or this is just going to be a thing where he has to work through this. And then you hope that that fuels a really productive offseason for him.
0: Texas uh, let up a sack on viewers on, pretty early in that TCU game, and it seemed like he was a little bit rattled after that to To back up your point. And then even he mentioned in in press conferences earlier this week that his footwork has been off, and that has been part of the issue with getting the ball downfield incomplete. Um, speaking of the Texas offense, the, the run game was completely eliminated, not a factor against TCU. And there's no doubt that Kansas is, like you mentioned earlier, going to load the box and target the backfield again. That being said, do you see this being sort of a statement game for Bijan Robinson and the crew, saying, "Hey, you can load the box against us, and we'll still find a way to get past you"? Whereas it wasn't the case for that last week.
1: Maybe um, Kansas definitely has weaker defensive tackles than TCU. Um, TC, <clears throat> TCU, I thought, had some flaws on defense, but they didn't have good players. They had good enough players and big enough defensive linemen where if they could cheat to stop the run and they had a really good plan, they knew how to execute, then they could gang up on you and and, and stop you. And uh, Kansas, Kansas could probably load the box against Texas and still get moved and pushed around a little bit uh, because they're, um, they just don't have, you know, demonic nose tackle or uh, Dylan Horton. They don't have guys like that on their team. So it's possible that Texas could force the issue. I think it would probably be better if they, uh, if they spread them out a little bit and um, or, or hit some deep shots or found a way to make Quinn comfortable enough to keep them um, from just ganging up on the run. I just think it's really, really, really hard to just run the ball all day on a defense that's selling out to stop the run. Like even Ricky Williams had that game against Kansas State, where they like put nine in the box or something and, and shut him down and almost ruined his Heisman uh, trophy season. So uh, you know maybe maybe, but you got to have a better plan than that going into Lawrence. That you know sometimes teams go into Lawrence and they just don't they just don't play very inspired football. They don't care to be there. The weather might be crappy. Maybe Kansas is a little feistier than you expected, and before you know it, you're like just glad to get out of there with a win.
0: That's been the case, Darren Lawrence, for quite some time. was talking about that on the show yesterday as well. Um, the passing game, I'll touch, I'll touch on here quickly, had some bright spots, like you mentioned. Jordan Whittington with a couple of nice grabs. J.T. Sanders had that big physical catch over the middle that set Texas up for their only points on offense of the night. Uh, those are two names that I think have should be more involved in this offense. Do you see this Kansas game being an opportunity for quick passes over the middle to guys like Jordan Whittington and JT Sanders to get more involved in and have big nights?
1: Yeah, so if they go more spread, uh, maybe not Sanders so much, but if they go more spread, uh, they might end up throwing a lot more RPOs to Jordan Whittington. That's kind of his game in the offense. It's really where he shines. This is a spread slot receiver. And they don't use a spread slot receiver very consistently because they play with two tight ends a lot, and it moves Whittington outside. Um, but he's terrific at it, and um, I mean, like I've said, that might be the, the ticket for them. Some of those plays against TCU he made, uh, the screens weren't even very poorly covered by TCU, and he would just make a guy miss and be off and running. It was, it was sort of bittersweet. It was a little sad to watch because you just realize, like if this guy had been in the sort of slot – Machine, as Eric Nollin likes to call it, if he'd been in that sort of slot machine role all year in an 11-personnel offense. He might have had like a Devin Duvernay in 2019 kind of season, you know, like 70 catches, 1,000 yards. He's not really been utilized to uh, his full extent this season. Um, although he's been a terrific blocker, and I bet you he'll, uh, I bet you he'll stick on an NFL team if he's drafted or signs as a free agent.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, last question for here, Ian. Texas needs to win out if they want to even have a chance at the Big 12 championship game, and it's going to be far from easy. Kansas yeah. Bull eligible for the, <laughs> for the first time since 2008, and this isn't a team that, like I mentioned earlier, you can overlook any for. You can't just waltz into Lawrence thinking you're going to pick up a win, um, especially after last year's embarrassing – I think that's the only way to put it – loss – What'll have to happen for Texas to emerge victorious Saturday and get their somehow revenge on Kansas?
1: They got to do something in the passing game. I think is what it comes down to. Um, Quinn Yours does not; he doesn't need it to be amazing all year. Um, you know his perform against, performance against Iowa State, where he threw like three touchdown passes that allowed them to convert in the red zone. Or uh, the same against Kansas State. He had a couple of really good touchdown passes against Kansas State that allowed them to finish drives. They uh, they might need a little more than that. If, if uh, Kansas is loading the box, they may need him to hit some throws to you know turn the release valve and free up some space for Bijan. But um, they don't need him to be a world beater. They just need, you know, I, how many yards per attempt did he have against TCU, like four? Or something just dreadful. Um, you can't you can't count on beating teams if your passing game is that inefficient. So uh, I, that's it. That's really it. They, they're a better team than Kansas. Um, they just need a remotely functioning passing game and they should be able to win.
0: All right. Certainly need Could have used that uh, last week as well. Texas, Kansas, tips off. See, I'm still stuck in basketball season now. That football's coming to a close. Kicks off at 2.30 out in Lawrence. That'll wrap things up for this episode of On Texas Football. Thanks so much for watching this episode and be sure to like the video and hit subscribe on the channel for more content. Be sure to give Ian a follow over on Twitter at Ian underscore a underscore boy. And huge thank you to all of you for watching as we finally hit our 10,000 subscriber mark. Really appreciate you guys for making that possible. Uh, All all of our crew work so hard. So thank you so much for enjoying our work and, and coming back to keep on watching us. For our producer, Matthew
1: Hutchison, and all the great folks at Inside Texas, I'm Tommy Yar saying see you next time and have a great day.